live from Tel Aviv, two nice Jewish boys. Hi, I'm Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Noor Menninger. This podcast is made in cooperation with the Jewish Journal, www.jewishjournal.com. A few months ago, Tel Aviv celebrated Pride Month with a glorious parade. This annual event has already become a tradition and attracts hundreds of thousands of people from all over Israel and from across the globe to this tiny Mediterranean city. Indeed, Tel Aviv is known as the pride capital of the world, but that status was not bestowed upon it, but rather earned. When you come to think of it, it's not obvious that in a religious, conservative country like Israel, such a vivacious subculture of LGBT would flourish, and yet it does. Uriel Yekutiel is maybe one of the biggest international symbols of the Israeli LGBT community. As a renowned performer, Yekutiel is tearing up the stages of Tel Aviv's nightlife. As a dancer and an actor, he's been creating viral video clips for years. And in 2015, he even danced with Bar Rafaeli in a commercial. Yekutiel's videos are young, fun, and provocative. Yekutiel also led the revolution of Mizrahi-themed gay parties, and apart from that, he devotes much of his time to social causes, like the struggle against suicide in the gay community. Uriel Yekutiel joins 2NJB to talk about his fascinating life and career. This podcast is made in cooperation with Secret Tel Aviv, Israel's largest online social network community in English. Just look for the group on Facebook or visit them at secrettelaviv.com. Subscribe to Two Nice Jewish Boys on iTunes. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to rate us. And of course, we want to hear your feedback. So let us know what you think in the comments or send us a message on Facebook. Your stage name is, was? My stage name was never anything. It's oh. just my name. Okay. Just Uriel. Okay. Uriel. It's mm-hmm. not like when I started doing I, what I guess now is considered drag. Um, I didn't want to, you know, separate between two t- characters because it's not really a character. It was just an expression of a part of you. Yeah. Of myself. So I want to I wanna ask you because I was actually uh, on the way over on the 204 bus, you know, mm-hmm. driving down Derech HaGana. Mm-hmm. And I was watching some videos and uh, on the bus of you, you know, just to, to get to know some videos and watch some uh, material. And, you know, I couldn't help but think that people are probably looking over my, my shoulder and seeing what's on my phone. And I'm wondering, because I'm sure that in the community you get these talkbacks with, you know, horrific comments. So I'm wondering what you would say, you know, because we mentioned Not in the community, we live... in, 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 for articles on the internet. No, I'm saying in the community, the LGBT community receives comments on right. the internet or whatever that are, that are you know, horrific. And I'm wondering, because we mentioned that we live in a religious and a conservative society, what you would say to the average Israeli, you know, who thinks that you're abnormal? Well, I wouldn't say, um, just because I don't really care. Okay. That's, that's the honest truth. I don't pay attention. Okay. And I don't think that it's my job to convince anyone that I'm something or another. Um, I think that the best way to lead this, to lead the revolution or lead the struggle is just being and as fierce as you can be with just being and not trying to change or trying to answer or trying Mm. to like my answer to everything is just keep being. And I think that like the best representation of, 
what I think of myself as a, as a gay man or as a drag performer or as whatever is not, I don't like to, you know, to sit and write talkbacks to talkbacks. I just mm-hmm. keep doing more and more and people eventually, you, you know, it's another brick in the wall. Every thing that yeah. you do is just another thing. And the more people that do it and the more people that like it, the better it is. And I think that people generally... like what I do or mm-hmm. liked what I do because I'm kind of semi-retired now. Mm-hmm. But For we'll the time talk, being. We'll talk yeah, about that. Yeah. Um, and I think that people just, like when it's good, people like it. And I don't want to say never, but I, nev- I didn't get a lot of negative feedbacks mm-hmm. from straight people, from religious people, from whoever. People generally were you know, on board and liked it. And I think that's because we tried to do good art. We didn't try to do good gay art. Mm-hmm. And I think that people just liked it. And if they like it, they don't mind if it's a man dressing up as female. Yeah. Or whatever. No explanations needed. No. But I'm sure, you, like you said, you have confronted. I mean, how did you... I mean, can you tell us about a time that you were confronted with... Such a situation, or is it mm. is it so scarce that it's actually hard to remember? Well, it actually is so scarce yeah. that it's hard to remember. Um, and I remember long before making the videos, I was I started when I was probably seventeen, like cross dressing, <laughs> not mm-hmm. in my everyday life, but just I bought my first pair of high heels when I was seventeen. And I started making YouTube videos in the first year that YouTube existed. Like in the first year, no one knew what YouTube is. And I knew a guy who live, lived in Sweden or something, and I wanted to send him a video. I didn't know how to send him a video. So uh-huh. he told me there's a thing called YouTube, and you just upload the video. Um, so I just <laughs> danced in my dad's like basement in heels and like uploaded the video. And then I found out, found YouTube and then I just started doing all those stuff. So even back then I used to go out to parties like once a year doing Purim, like every young drag queen, you start out <laughs> yeah. in Purim or Halloween It's or whatever. It's a good excuse. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, Purim was like... I blew all my money on it, like four costumes a year, dresses, heels, makeup, like people working for me. It was crazy. Um, and back then when I was like no one knew me, I used to go to parties and live the night wearing like semi-drag stuff. And like Alsim, do people listening to this show know what Alsim is? I'm not It's sure. Like, uh, <laughs> punks kind of like. Yeah, like. You know, not very nice young men. Like, like Rednecks. I mean, this, yeah, re- but I want to say white trash, but it's kind of racist. <laughs> yeah, it's, but, it's yeah. kind of our version of white trash or whatever. I don't right. know. It's not very nice m- yeah. men, usually young boys. And so they s- used to see me in the street and like they would have harassed me. But I, I saw that and I... I came out when I was like 13, so I knew this by now, that when people bully you when they sense fear, like a dog, <laughs> they can sense fear. Mm-hmm. And if you don't show, show him that you're afraid, they will not bully you. So mm-hmm. they will come to me, would want to bully me, and I would hug them and take pictures with them and laugh with them. Obviously, I'm not like now, 10 years later or 12 years later, I'm not trying to be anyone's like clown and goof around with them, but... 
even when I was today, you would beat the shit out of out of them. Oh, today I would just <laughs> keep walking, and they can try do whatever they want, but they mm-hmm. will not do. They will not touch me. Um, it doesn't happen to me anymore, honestly. Yeah, like that's one of the benefits of fame. But you know, um, but that's how you dealt with it. That's then. how it dealt with it. So I really don't. And they would they would go along with it. They loved it. Wow. I have a thing for people i guess so they will yeah right yeah, yeah maybe it, it, maybe some of them were secretly hiding some stuff yeah. i know they were all Jealous. hot for me yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no. No, like another benefit of fame yeah. is in every hours there's in every hours there's a little gay man yes, waiting for yeah. to <laughs> no doubt um you know when you told about your um the story about how you bought your first pair of boots it reminded me that when i was in Not high boots, school heels, uh, heels sorry i don't wear boots um <laughs> sorry it's a rookie's mistake yes. when I, when i was in high school i made a small documentary about this guy um who's performing at the rocky horror picture show uh, mm-hmm. that w- took place every month in ramata sharon I, i used to go there you used Sorry? I used to go there every month. Right. It, because it was a place where people, I don't know how to define them. Could express them. themselves. Yeah. All kinds of interesting people yeah. wandered up there. And I followed him like in his everyday life, uh, you know, quote, like uh, allegedly, I want to use the word normal. Of course, everything mm-hmm. is normal. But and then I talked to his mom about how he bought his first pair of boots and um How do you say how do you call it biriot garters garters ah. etc and wow. the, the film was actually called my first garters mm-hmm. and uh, and it was very interesting this process and not easy for the for for the family and for him too so I wonder how d- what year was this by the way I just want to know if I know the guy because uh, I used to go there like every month we're talking 2006 ish I think Yeah, I pro- no, I don't know. I was earlier than that. Right. He was the hero. He was rock. He was a uh, team uh, uh I don't e- I don't even remember the movie. Okay. I just remember so going anyway, when I was like 14 and getting drunk. So I'm That's wondering how, how was it for you? You oh, you, you mentioned you mentioned buying your first heels, but mm-hmm. how did how did your close um the people who were close to you react to it? Well, I think We really, in my family, believe in uh, uh, shock treatment. <laughs> so, like, my dad, when I came out, I was 13 when I came out. And he was, has, you know, everything that everybody is, he was uh, confused, afraid, blah, 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 blah. And I didn't even want to tell him. Like, my brothers and sisters, they all knew because I told them first. And they were, like, so happy about it. And finally, you tell us. And they knew it. And... It was a non-issue, never. Mm-hmm. But my dad, my sister told him by mistake. It was a crazy story. And, <laughs> and then I, I needed to, to talk to him about it for the first time. And he was, like I said, like afraid and confused and everything. And that was then. That was like when I was 13, 14. And then for, by the time that I bought like my first heels, it was already kind of... I was also always a dancer and performer and an actor, and like I came up to him when I was like, I don't think he knew that I bought my first heels at seventeen just because I don't think I told him it was very it was a very exciting process for me, but I didn't share it with him. but when I was eighteen, I wanted to start doing drag 
I had a few friends who were drag queens and I wanted to start doing drag. And we sat around doing a Shabbat dinner. And I told him with all my brothers and sister that I'm going to start do drag. And then he was, he didn't know what's, what it, yeah, what's he, he, that? Didn't, he didn't know what it means. And so he told me he, he was against it. And he said something to the effect of when you came out all those years ago, this is not what we talked about. Like this is what, this was <laughs> this not the deal. What we agree <laughs> yeah. <on. laughs> and what a reaction. <laughs> yeah. Because he was, he thought I wanted to start the process of becoming a woman. That what he ah. thought. Uh, that's what he thought when you told them that yeah. you were going to start doing drag. Yeah. Exactly. Ah, okay. And my brothers like stood up, like threw the stuff off the table and yelled at him like, if he wants to be a woman, he's going to be a woman. If he needs breast implants, you're going to buy him breast implants and you'll do whatever he wants. And I was like, whoa, guys, I'm not, I don't want to be a woman. Like, that's not the thing. But, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> yeah, but thank you. So I always, we shocked him until he had no shocks left in him anymore. So my, he had no option but to, to, accept, to it. accept it because we screamed at him until he did. Um, so let's, I want to gain a little context. I mean, mm -hmm. where, where did you grow up? Where are you from? I'm from uh, Herzliya. Okay. Like a very nice suburb, um, like upper middle class. Uh, okay. And my father uh, is originally like... I'm half Yemen descent and half Afghan descent. Okay. My father comes from a religious Afghan family in Jerusalem. Mm. Ooh. Yeah. But he did quite a long way to where he is today. Um, we are not... Sorry, one second. It's just going to... Yeah. Pausing sure, problems. sure, sure. All right. Okay. So, uh, so we are not religious in any way. Uh, we never have been. Um, so it was kind of like my sister, we all really value the arts and we really value education. Uh, so for me, I was always an artist, like I was an actor and a dancer, blah, blah. And even the first time I did drag, it was in a play, like a theater play. So it always had a context of not going out and binge drinking and like doing drugs it was in the context of that's my art and that's what mm -hmm. i want to do but also not your day-to-day -day life as in maybe it was easier to accept because it was like okay he's on stage or he's yeah it, it was easier to accept because of that he even came to my first few shows mm -hmm. in nightclubs in the middle of the night and wow. he liked the art part of it like mm -hmm. you like that i had real dancers and i really it was not standing for me drag is never about standing on stage and just lip syncing it if like if you don't make an event from your performance then why should we see it like we can see every drag queen in the past 50 years standing on a stage and just lip syncing mm -hmm. it's not interesting for me yeah. so you would sing live no i wouldn't sing live but i would have costume and costume changes and dancers i, I would have sing live if i knew how to sing okay i'm a really terrible but you singer. know how to dance i know how to dance and, and i know dance how quite well thank you and i know how to make i think an event and a performance and yeah those stuff. so you uh, first of all so he came to see you and how did he react then 
first well did, i think that he, guys hit on him when he was the no club? no everybody knew <laughs> okay. that it was my dad it was a very small place also <laughs> you distributed photos this <laughs> is my dad do not <laughs> hit on him no i talked like <laughs> through the stage and told him thank you for coming and people really applaud him and i think he loved it like when people like I'm the cool dad. That that was that night. Yeah, that's uh, an amazing moment, actually. Yeah, it was it was great. And he came for like the few, like he stopped coming because it's like three a.m. usually my performances. But he did come to like a few big ones like along the way. He he would come. And so uh, and and in such a show, yeah. mm-hmm. um, when you say a performance and and that you would be. the one directing it or or yeah, everything conceiving everything everything from costumes to direction to choreography, choreography to everything like video art along the way like when i started doing drag in tel aviv a drag queen would get the first few shows i did for for free but then when i started to be of value and i saw i could demand money the like the average money that a drag queen would get would be like 300 shekels like for me just the costume i would sew everything so it would be like only 500 shekels with just the costumes so right i started demanding more and more money and in a year i got to a point where i would make for a performance something like, like Artsy or yeah like five times as much as right as like the big paying drag queen but i didn't keep any of the money it would all uh-huh. go to the performances and to pay the dancers and to pay for studios for rehearsals And along the way, I got, like, I started working with choreographers and working with, like, musical directors. And it was always, it's always my direction and everything. But, uh, yeah, sometimes I still use, sometimes I think it's too complicated just for me. So I get a choreographer and sometimes I do everything alone. So at what point did it, you know, break through? What point was that breakthrough where you, you know? Well, I think for the first year, it was... great and fun and people really started noticing me around the city and then after a year we did uh, i was a part of arisa uh, i don't know like arisa the gay middle eastern party it's not mine it was never mine i just want to ah. say it every time i go on an interview uh, it was to you co you were co-established or co well i was there from day one like we started the party together but it was two friends of mine omer and yotam uh, who started It's their party. It was always theirs. I was there. We did everything together. I was there from day one and everything. But I was the face and they were the money or right. <laughs> like the production. Okay, but you were co-creators or co-initiators yeah. mm-hmm. of this. It's not solely yours, but it's... But what no, is it? Let's... No, it's not mine in the legal sense at all. Okay, oh. okay. No, the legal sense. <laughs> yeah. But we, we don't care about, yeah, you know, yeah. we don't have a lawyer. But what or, is emotionally. it? What is it? Can you explain in, in a few sentences? Yes. Well, what, uh, what it was, it was, a, um, it's like the name of it is like the first Middle Eastern gay party. And what it is, is just a party. Like we want to bo- do a big gay event party. Like there is every Friday in every week in Tel Aviv. But to do music, to play music that people grew up on here in Israel, which is not Madonna. Like most, yeah. a lot of Mizrahi people grew up in their homes on Mizrahi music. And you would hear this music in every wedding and in every like event, but you would not hear it in any parties. It mm-hmm. was taboo. It was the lowest 
class imaginable. Why? Mm-hmm. I think it's... I, a, a lot of times I compare Mizrahi music to rap music in the States. I think that it, 20 years ago or 30 years ago when rap was considered like the lowest class there is, it was music made and listened to by an oppressed people. And the music, which was really raw and amazing, <laughs> which was considered low class and only heard by low class people. You will never hear it in official things. But that was the most popular music as well. And like the awakening of the Mizrahi people in Israel was also the awakening of the Mizrahi music. So the idea was to bring... There were so many Mizrahi gay people and they would never hear their music in parties. Mm-hmm. So that was the mission. Uh, I think that Omer and Yotam really like, knew their audience and knew what the mission is. And was it harder uh, for people? I mean, is it still harder for people in that community, in the Mizrahi community, which is kind of like a very broad It's like half definition. of the, of the yeah. people in yeah. Israel. But is there, I mean, can you say in a general sense that there's maybe more of a struggle coming out in that community? Or I think very generally speaking, maybe, but, mm-hmm. and maybe kind of 10, 20 years ago. I think that it's harder to come out in a lower social economical mm. uh, you know standing and, but and also there's the, there's the stereotype that Mizrahi Jews tend to be um, a little bit more tending towards religion or towards yeah. tradition mm-hmm. Jewish tradition and as opposed to Ashkenazi who tend to be maybe a little bit it's very generalized yeah, more secular <laughs> and with being traditional and Jew, more Jewish maybe it's a little bit harder to accept. Yeah, so I think that it's all true, but I think when it comes to coming out, no one liked it. Right. <laughs> 20 years right. ago, not the Ashkenazi and not the Mizrahi. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. taboo everywhere. Right. Yeah. Um, I think uh, you really see in the past 10 years in Israel and around the world how it, it gets better for coming out stories. And... You see it in Mizrahi. I think there is um, the sense of it's harder to be gay in a Mizrahi society. Mm-hmm. I don't actually think it's the case, though. So then you started these uh, Mizrahi parties with, with these two friends, mm-hmm. and that kind of put you on the public uh, stage? Yeah, and then after, the, after a year of that, uh, which is, was all still very niche, it was still very only for like the hipsters in Tel Aviv, and uh, mm-hmm. and then um, director uh, Ivri Lider, who's a very big famous singer in Israel, also uh, from the gay community. Yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, he started a band with a friend of his, Johnny Goldstein, and this they formed the band TYP, which is like an like electronic dance band. And for their first music video in English, in English, yeah. For the first music video, uh, the director, who's also gay, who did a lot of big stuff in the gay community, he directed the music video for Diva from Dana International. Mm. He's a very, like, for me, he's a very important guy. For those who don't know, Dana International uh, won um, the Eurovision. Eurovision. Yeah. Everybody knows who's Dana Not in the States. Mm. <laughs> they She's don't even know what's the Eurovision. Internationally <laughs> famous transgender singer yeah. here in Israel. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so he directed the, so he directed the first video and he saw me from all the videos and he invited me 
to star in their video and to join the group basically and that i think was the big breakthrough to from very anonymous and living in Herzliya with my dad waiting tables to moving to Tel Aviv joining this big group and starting like a also international career because we mostly worked around Europe in Paris and everywhere and it was yeah. then you were in a video with Barfelli what the was video that like? with Barfelli was even later that was my second big break because after that I had a few years of just doing like good few years of performing everywhere mm-hmm. in Arisa and, and you did clips for Arisa also we did all the super vid- cool yeah the, all the videos for Arisa who went yeah we'll, we'll post videos you guys have to check these out the, yeah. the production value is amazing and yeah they're the all dancing they is... all went crazy viral and we I spent like good three years of performing abroad almost every other week with mm-hmm. either Arisa or TYP or by myself so you were touring Arisa With Arisa. Yeah, we toured with Arisa. We toured with TYP also. We, yeah, we did a lot of... Yeah. But come and, on, and, Father Faeli. No, and then <laughs> it all kind of died down uh, for, some t- for like a few months. And then I went on to be on The Amazing Race. Ah, yeah. uh, The Amazing Race. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In channel- you said Amazing Grace. No, no. <laughs> in uh, Channel 2 in Israel. It's a reality yeah, TV a reality show. TV and yeah, they, we, ha- they have it in the States. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we did... Quite well, I'm, uh, I'm, if I may You say and? So. My good, very best friend at the time, Tom Baum. Okay. And right after that, when it was still on the air, because we were like the big, like I can say it now a few years later, it was a very, very, very big success. And we were the first two openly gay, but flamboyant also characters yeah. who were also very... good in the challenges and strong and we made it to the finals and it was a very big thing and right after that i got the barifaeli commercial probably more because of the how did it the happen they just called you up and like what yeah also tell us this, the like... director of that commercial knew me because he's also from the gay community and i worked with him like a million times on videos and stuff and he now directs like big commercials around the world and they brought him in And he wanted me to do the commercial. How did it happen? It was, well, when you go on a reality show, you really hope that when you finish the reality show, you will get like an offer for something. Mm-hmm. And it was still, on, it was only like, I don't know, like a month in the air, the, MA, the show. And they called me up and said, you're going to get the biggest like campaign of your life. And I was like, Okay, let's do it. Uh, they, they told you then that what it was? Yeah, and I freaked out. Actually, my <laughs> agent didn't tell me until she got like she tripled the money they were going to pay me. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. then she told me because she right. knew that if like as a baby star, if she would tell me right off the bat, I would tell her. Take it, Take whatever. whatever you yeah. Get, yeah. And she that's like... That's a good agent. Yeah, that's a very good... I love it. It is a good agent. But I yeah. mean, I, f- I, I feel like I would be like, you were playing with like a fragile... Like, <laughs> yeah, but she, <laughs> You she, tripled it? You yeah. should have lowered it. <laughs> yeah, she tripled it. I was like, okay. It was yeah. a great year. After that, it was a great year. And the day of shooting the commercial was really like... It was yeah. so You, you rehearsed with Barb before? And uh, no, we actually didn't rehearse anything before. Um, I brought in my 
I met with the director and he told me, he asked me what, because I, to be honest, no one can really like dress me or choreograph me <laughs> or direct me because I very, this character has a very, very specific sense of everything that I do. Like in other things I can be, I have a director and have like stylist, but for this character, it's, I can't have anyone else. So the director met with me and asked me what I want to do, who, how, and who with, and I brought in uh, the choreographer that I worked with for like the past five years, who's great. And we re rehearsed, me and him, but not with Bao, actually. I think she's like too big to, like, to come to rehearsals. Yeah. She was on set. Like, teach me the moves now, and I'll do it now. And she did it, like, first take, and she She's was a pro. great. She's a pro. But was she dancing in the video? A little, a little bit. A little yeah. bit. Here yeah, and there. She, she needed to flip her hair, and that's it. Like, yeah, it's right. Bali. You don't need Because I'm thinking back, like, as you said that, I'm like, yeah, how did she not go to rehearsals? And then I'm thinking back to the video. I'm like, yeah, there, she wasn't really dancing. Yeah. She kind of just, you know, put on sunglasses. Yeah, and, and looked amazing. Tilted her head and, and smiled. And I'm, 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 like, sweating and working my ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I actually wore her outfit because the stylist only brought me like a few outfits. And as I said, I'm really particular about my style uh -huh. and not, I didn't like anything. And I just told him nothing here fits me. And uh, there's only bar, like the bar outfits left. And I wore like twin, like a size two outfit it was a lot of duct tape under those clothes <laughs> i was cinched in i couldn't breathe really but yeah, so cool. let's let's talk a little bit about uh your involvement in the gay community and just i want to add that this clip it's incredible thank you it's i, I mean i can watch it in loops it's just beautiful it is beautifully thank done you. yeah you, now you can continue um you, your work in the gay community we spoke a little bit about what you do in the struggle against uh suicide in the gay community. yeah i don't think i do that much i think i get a little more credit than i should okay because i don't like i speak out a lot mm -hmm. and i donate some money and i like go to speak with like there's Iggy. Iggy is like the mm -hmm. youth, the gay youth organization in Israel. Yeah. And like a few times I went to speak with groups and like with teens and stuff like that. But that's kind of it. Mm. Like I speak my mind, but I don't do but <laughs> too much. You did, as you said, raise the awareness and and you were courageous enough to be in the prime time uh, yeah. to 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 bring everything that you are into the homes of every Israeli, and that also has a social as aspect. Yeah, I, I think. think that the best, the thing that one of the things that I'm proud of is during that time of the airing of the, the show, The Amazing Grace, um, Tom and I would get tons of messages every day, every single day, that because of you two, my dad talked with us for the first time in the Shabbat That's dinner amazing. table about being gay and. Because of this show, because of your interviews, because of everything, like, I was able to c come out. Even people who are not gay at all, we just talked about it for the first time in an open way. And that was great. And then Purim came along. And Tom and I, we were really unique. If you ever have a chance to see an episode of us there, we would speak only... In like in Hebrew, you have like male and female mm, ways yeah. of speaking. Yeah, so yeah. we sp and gay people in Israel, like me and my friends, we talk to each other as female, like yeah. sister and stuff. 
it's an advantage we have in Hebrew. Yeah. That... So we talked only in female. Like it, that was the only decision we had before we went. We're gonna talk only in in female words to each other, like we really do talk, and we're not gonna like adapt ourselves to prime time. Which for for the Hebrew speaking ear, yeah. It, just it, it's explain to Americans. It's it sounds yeah. weird. It, it sounds weird. It needs... It's like it's like referring to. You could think about it in third person. If you're referring to a friend who's a male as, as she, she, yeah, when exactly. you know, then it's. And then when Purim came, we were the most popular costumes, <laughs> in, with boys ages six to twelve, like every, everybody in every school dressed up as Uriah and. Little straight boys, not like no, every boy everywhere. You became culture heroes. Yeah, and that was, I, I remember that day because we got like uh, DMs on uh, on Instagram with all the pictures from all the kids sending us or tagging us. That was really. That's like, awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. Like. So what do you think is the future of, I mean, first of all, the gay community in Israel, like we mentioned, is surprising how much it flourishes, like how, mm -hmm. you know, you look at this little country in the Middle East and the fact that there is, you know, this huge parade that attracts all these people from all over the world and, and gets parties. so much attention and all the parties and everything. But you it, sometimes it feels like Tel Aviv is a little bit of a bubble. And sometimes it, it gets a lot of... I hear a lot of reactions to the whole uh, 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 calling Israel kind of gay-friendly, like, well, go out of Tel Aviv yeah, and let's exactly. see how... Yeah, exactly, and it's not gay-friendly at yeah. all. So, I mean, what do you think is... Do you think it's going to spread? Do you think that Tel Aviv is just this little oasis? Is it a fake, you know, uh, concept that, that Israel is... Well, I don't think it's a fake uh, concept that Israel is gay-friendly. I think it is. I think that Tel Aviv is much more gay-friendly, but I think that you can feel safe almost anywhere in Israel being gay. I actually do think so. Um, Did you participate, let's say, in the parades in Jerusalem? Were you yes, of course. Uh -huh. I go to the Jerusalem Pride every year, um, and it's growing and growing and growing. It's great. It's a very sensitive pride because yeah, a few years no ago... Parties. A uh, girl uh, got murdered mm -hmm. uh, by an Orthodox Jew uh, at the at one at of the, the parade. parades. Yeah. yeah. So n this year, you ha you go to the parade and there's a like a memorial wall for her, and you go and you lay flowers and there's no parties and no trucks and no mm -hmm. people in underwear and stuff. Um, for me personally, I used to like if we're being really honest, I used to make a lot of money <laughs> during Pride. That's the month where you work as mm -hmm. a, a person who does parties and drag yeah. and blah, blah blah now that i'm kind of out of that world um i i i don't like this past pride i didn't participate like the tel aviv pride i mm -hmm. just not went. because you resent it but just not because i resent it it was for other reasons but i actually do think that it's great blah blah it hardly does like what it's supposed to do what but, do you mean I don't think that it's a political statement. I think it's a political statement, but I don't think uh, we do what we can do from this week. Like most people just go, like 99.9% .9 of people just go to parties for like a week, mm -hmm. <laughs> don't work, have fun for a week. Yeah. But like the next day you have the deliberation at the Knesset and no one shows up. 
Yeah. Right. <laughs> Many so, people say it's a distraction is, from the it, issue. I kind of think it is. Because it, it it depicts Israel as this, you know, really gay-friendly, mm-hmm. you know, you have 100,000 people on the streets partying. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, in the deliberation in the Knesset the next day, Yeah, like me, no uh, not to get too political, but there was a year when uh, Miri Regev came to the parade. She's the Minister of Culture. Yeah. And everybody ran to take a selfie with her. And I was like, what? are you doing like, <laughs> this woman yesterday? No, 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 actually it was not yesterday. The day after she came and took selfies with like 50,000 people and posted it on her Facebook page and on her Instagram and showed how enlightened and good she was the next day, because it always, it's always the next Sunday after the pride. It's the gay rights liberation day in the Knesset. Uh, there was like, I think 20 votes to vote on on gay rights and she voted against every Each one of the 20 one. and everybody did uh, like including gr- gay yeah including uh, the one gay uh, yeah, yeah no, one. it's not the one gay but he's one of the one who the one it's Amir, 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 Ohana. Amir Ohana. ah okay he's the, in the he's the one in the coalition in the coalition in the, coalition, yeah. in, the in Likud um, so yeah it, it's it's supposed to be gay friendly Israel but there are like all the laws that are really gay-friendly are still forbidden in Israel. You can't adopt, you can do. So it's kind of a distraction. Yeah. So why did you re- retire? Or why are you semi-retired? Uh, well, it came to a stage uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago, actually, that I really, really wanted to do more with my art <laughs> And I felt like being doing drag is keeping me back. And not only because of what other people see it as, also because of that. Like I, I lost a few jobs because I was doing drag. But more importantly, because I had no time to do anything else. And I was making a lot of money and I was very complacent. And it was not a challenge anymore. It was not interesting for me anymore. And it became mainstream for myself. Like I did it as a kid as a new exciting thing. And it's not exciting and it's not new anymore for me. And I knew that I needed to stop. Have like down without knowing what I'm going to do next and stop and let like the void fill me. And then hopefully something will come out after the void and that void was like eight months of doing nothing and hating my life but (laughs) it actually did (laughs) grew produce something yeah and i what's that well now i do like i direct and i write and i do format developing for tv and for web and blah, blah 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 but this for me it's like the first step it's like my first Actually, it's my first job ever. Like, I never worked in a job before. So this is my wow. first job. And getting to be almost 30 and not and having a first job at 30, it's not bad. But I know now what I want to do, If even if it's not exactly what I do now. I know that I want to be a director. I know that I want to do musicals and I want to write and I want to choreograph. And being in front of the camera you your ego is fed too much mm-hmm. and you get used to i'm a star i'm just gonna be beautiful and do whatever 
and you get very complacent. And I just thought that I needed to stop and step actually, out of the limelight. Yeah, and Arisa was becoming very repetitive for me. Mm-hmm. It was month after month for six years, and I did it with my eyes closed. Like the looks was the same, the performances were the same, the audience was the same. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So But you did change the gay nightlife in, is- in Israel. You and your friends, of course, but you, ha- you took part in it, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. We can say that. Yeah, I think so. I think we did. For me personally, and it's a risky thing to say, and if some drag queens will hear it, they will be very mad at me. But I actually do think that I have a hand in restoring the drag culture in Israel to a better place in Israel. than what it was in the like when I started you made it great again yeah. no, no, <laughs> making drag culture but great actually, again <laughs> when I started in, in Tel Aviv doing drag no one would do anything right. they would stand on stage lip sync a song in a like a no name bar and I insisted on being paid a lot of money to get eight dancers video walls screens like everything Everything that I ever wanted, they brought me because we were good. We were making money so I could do those stuff. And drag now, first of all, the drag performers get much, much more money mm-hmm. <laughs> and because they, I, I had a few drag friends and they told the other party producers, Uriel is getting like five times as us. We want to get more. <laughs> so he told them, well, step. Like, you raise do, the standard. Do more and you'll get more. Yeah. And people do more. So that's great for me. I feel great about it. And in speaking about the nightlife, yeah, we brought um, the Mizrahi culture really out of the closet. And Arisa, I don't, I didn't went there in like a year and a half, but last time I was there, when I was still there, it was the biggest party in Tel Aviv. And we started out seven years ago being the smallest party that people, not Mizrahi people, but people like hipsters would come to laugh at, Mm-hmm. at Mizrahi people that would go there. It's, I mean, you guys have managed to get some big names behind, like I saw Sarit Haddad in one of the videos mm-hmm. and Margarit uh, Tsanani. Greatest singers of the genre. Yeah, yeah. Omer Adam. Um, Participated. Yeah, yeah, everybody was there. And that, that was, yeah, that was great. That was it's like... A, it's amazing. I, I was in a drag show in Kyoto, speaking of what you were talking about before in Japan. And yeah, it was, it was just like, It was just people like a couple of drag people on stage lip syncing, yeah, and I was like, this is I thought that's what i that was my first impression of what a drag show is, yeah, and that and what it still is it, in most of places like, right, but you if you see like the Rupaul drag race now change drag in the world if people don't know what Rupaul's drag I think everybody knows, but it's a you don't know Rupaul's drag race. How ah, do you it's not a reality know? Sh- it's, yeah. a reality, it's a reality yeah, show, it's right? It's a drag competition reality right, show. Right, I heard about it. Yeah. I heard it's really good. I it's, never saw I, it. I actually do think it's the best show on television. So I've heard, actually. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. And they brought, like in the first couple of years, people would just stand up and do lip sync. And now, like we're in season 10, I think. People are walking on stilts and flying and acrobats and the, you just when you have good competition you keep evolving 
Aitan, you have a lot of catching up to do with the 10 seasons. <laughs> yeah, I thought, <laughs> no, I thought you meant to compete in it. Also, also. <laughs> I have also. to pull out my stilettos. <laughs> and uh... So we can't wait to see what you produce and create next, Uriel. Uh, yeah, very exciting. So am I, actually. So we'll post like uh, links and to the videos. Mm -hmm. And do you have your own social media and stuff? Yeah, I think I'm on Twitter, but I never tweet. I tweeted last time, like, maybe seven years ago. Okay. So don't follow me on Twitter. Instagram. But follow me on Instagram. It's just Uriel Ikutiel. And awesome. Yeah, Facebook. I would suggest going on Twitter and finding out what that tweet was. <laughs> Could be interesting. I think it was, it's just, it, like, pictures and stuff. Uh, yeah, okay. don't watch it. So before we go, first of all, I want to thank my friend Raz Danon, who helped us bring you. And thanks, Raz. Thanks, Raz. Thank and then um, we have two collaborations. One is with the Jewish Journal of Greater Los Angeles, which is an amazing newspaper and website for Jewish news in Los Angeles. And the second is... Secret Tel Aviv, which I'm sure you've heard of. Mm -hmm. Secret Tel Aviv is 160,000 members uh, Facebook group, which has, you know, great recommendations uh, for restaurants, events. It's in English. It's a great Facebook group of, you know, mainly Olim, but also Israelis. And a website they have secrettelaviv.com well yeah thank you so much for coming it was thank fascinating and brilliant and thanks thank bye. bye bye guys bye.